Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. Certainly not about recovery anymore. <laughs> but um, this is part two with our incredibly sweet and cool... What's your name? Guest. What's your name? They know my name. It's part two. I'm Dave. That's Chris. We've got a big time celebrity guest. Nick but he's Reiner. tired, dude. He's fucking tired. I'm a little, I'm drinking uh, sugar free Red Bull. You want my ball didn't do it for you? It got me half the way there. Yeah. I think I need the rest though. Should I make coffee? <laughs> I think I think um, this will do it. Yeah. You know, maybe you should give him coke to shoot in the bathroom before he tells you. <laughs> oh, you were asking me about my 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 coke shooting. Story. Yes, your coke shooting. Every, everyone that's ever shot coke remembers where they were when they first shot cocaine. I, the first, well, every time you do it, you're like, well, the, the problem with coke shooting coke is you want to do as much as you can without killing yourself. So you want to take how much it takes to like kill yourself or seize out and do a little less than that. And every time I shot coke, I was like, I'm gonna die. And the first time I shot it, it was great, but I thought I was gonna die. Yeah, I shot I, it in in uh, sober living for the first time. Wow, I was uh, I had just gotten kicked out of a halfway house in Maine for shooting heroin, and uh, I la- I was there for seven days, yeah. and and I confided in my friend there. I said, look, because I felt guilty about it. I was like, look, I got something to tell you, and he's like, what is it? And I was like, if I tell you, you can't. Repeated to anybody Like I, I just need to get this Off my chest And yeah. I said Look I'm Was it Foundation's house? Uh, it might have been yeah. <laughs> It right, was sorry, you know, yeah. uh, I don't care yeah. actually uh, And he goes Okay what is it? And I said Well I, I've been Shooting up And I've been Doing heroin And yeah. he's like well, I'm going to your counselor Right now And I'm t-. And I said no friend of yours? Yeah. And I said, what? Like, not even a discussion of where you've been just... How you doing, ins- man? <laughs> insisting that I tell the counselor. So I go and I tell him, and almost immediately I'm kicked out, and I get the, the ultimatum. It's back to another rehab, which I've just been to, like, three back-to-back, three-month stints. Yeah. Like, in all these different states. And I'm in Maine. And I was like, oh, I'm, gonna be, I'm doing the homeless thing. I'm, yeah. I, I don't care. Adventure now. Yeah. This is a, on the road, Jack yeah. Kerouac. Here yeah. we go. And so I spent, you know, a couple of weeks in this home, homeless shelter in Maine, and I got exposed to some crazy stuff. Wow. And this one guy, like, said that you can shoot up crack or something like yeah, that. Yeah, vinegar, you, lemon juice. If you juice. put it in lemon or something. Yeah. So That's Chris's shit right there. That's he's so easy to buy crack. You can never buy powder on the street. So, so I, I wasn't questioning anything. Yeah. I was going with the flow. <laughs> and uh, he gives me all the, the works. And he says, go into the outside of the McDonald's. And he says, go inside and do it. I said, because at that point, I had never done it myself. I said, yeah. I don't know how to do it. Like yeah. He's like... We just gotta, do, just gotta do it. And I yeah. was like, okay. Yeah. So then I went into the ma- McDonald's bathroom, and I'm, you know, searching around, searching around. I finally, I see the blood, and I do it, and I'm, and it, it's the most incredible feeling I've ever felt. Yeah. And like, I didn't realize how long I was in that bathroom, but when I opened the door, there's like a Starbucks line, like waiting for the bathroom, and I just <laughs> pass all of these people like high on coke, and, and I just make my way out. Yeah, I was terrified. Yeah, so that was my that was my first experience with that. Yeah. First time I shot coke, you I, shot coke? Yeah, I didn't know that. First time I shot coke, I was living in my in my studio in Chelsea, and um, there were these drug dealers that were like operating out of a an apartment across the hall from my apartment because I grew up in low income housing and I lived in low income housing, and um, 
and I became friendly with them and I would buy weed from them and then like something they like got busted in their apartment and they were like yo Dave you think we could leave the safe in your house and I'm like sure and I was like but if you leave it in my house you're gonna have to pay me and you're gonna have to give me drugs when I ask for them and they were like okay and so they put this safe into my apartment and I I don't like coke I'm incredibly high strung like it's not my thing but like one, one Jews on coke yeah you know what I mean yeah. like I like yeah. dope I like benzos cause they would and weed cause they would just relax me but fucking coke would make me crazy but at some point fucking no dealer was around and I wasn't cl- I was on methadone yeah. so I wasn't gonna get sick and I couldn't find any dope and then they came through and they were like you want some coke and I was like sure yeah. and they leave and I just sat there and I shot like a fucking I don't know what was the first thing you thought what was I first need impression? some fucking dope yeah. <laughs> I was just like I was like you weren't impressed at all by the I every up I've ever taken it's a means to find a way down See, like, but that's the me. thing I would always want is to shoot coke I enjoyed shooting dope and drinking way more but I'd always want to shoot coke because it's just like the most reinforcing. You do it and it fucking hits you so hard. Yeah, you know? it's it's really it's crazy. over before it starts though. No, it's soon, dude. At the end, I would shoot coke and immediately I hear police sirens. Think I was gonna die and stab myself in the finger twenty times because I try to put the cap back on the syringe mm-hmm. and I'd be shaking so much I keep stabbing myself because yeah. I can never get the cap on. You know what I mean? The, the worst part about the stimulant stuff, like the the meth and the coke and stuff. Is the paranoia? Oh, and, so and, bad. And it's so funny. And I always thought about this: how every paranoid person comes to the same conclusion, which is the cops are outside. <laughs> they're they're coming in, <laughs> and they want me. They're, they're, they're coming to get me. And uh, and I know that they're out there. And uh, I just and always any that, any sound is them. Yeah, yeah. Any yeah. fucking oh, did you thing. Hear that? Did you hear that? And I would sit in my apartment with my TV on, staring at the lobby. Because my TV was a closed circuit camera to my to to the lobby of yeah. my building. That yeah. was the way people would come in, and I would shoot coke and stare at the lobby and wondering who was next. Dude, I shot, waiting for something. <laughs> Dude, I shot meth once, and oh, I stood. Gosh. I was with a girl, and I, I was in a, a hotel in Pasadena, a motel, and I I stood at the peephole for like six hours because it just keep it just stays. It's not like coke it doesn't wear off; it just stays for. And I stood at the peephole for six hours, and the girl on my bed like talking to me and she's like like Chris like come over here like look at me talk to me and I said I'm sorry I'm like I have to stay here and I just sat there at the people <laughs> for six hours just waiting like is anybody coming and then every once in a while I'd get down and look underneath the, the little line underneath the door and be like I think there's somebody standing outside <laughs> <laughs> I think the difference between coke and meth is that you come up with more elaborate People, the F, when you're on meth, it's the FBI's after yeah, you. Yeah. Coke, it's you know the, the cops. It's the cops. Dude, that's, that's what I would say. A crackhead, they'll like just steal you. Like the 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 meth head was the person who like will rob you and help you look for it and like you know be your best bud, but be robbing you at the same time. Yeah, they're <laughs> always scheming. Yeah, when I would shoot meth, again, it would only be as it's like I, I moved to I moved to California sober. I was in or no smoking weed. And I moved to my friend's house in California, and he had discovered meth. And I knew the second I smoked meth that I didn't like it. But I smoked meth just until my body needed pills and heroin. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I did it as a means for it. I just wow. it yeah. never fucking worked. And I, then I would shoot crazy. speed balls with meth. You know, I would just fucking and they're I would, called something else. I forget what they're goofballs. Called. Is that what it is? I don't know. I, would I think do, it's goofballs. I've heard. Goofballs. I would do I've heard one, that term. one part meth and and like five parts heroin. So I would just feel the meth for a second. Yeah. And then I would just be like, uh, blanket. I think you how know? confusing that is to your brain. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. How does your brain sort that out? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, you, you be, you're surprised how you live through these things, you know? <laughs> and that's what I, I, I get grateful for. I'm like, oh, thank God, like, that's past yeah. now because that they're so close, those calls. Dude, I've said this, I think, twice on Dopey before, but I'm going to repeat it. I remember in being in a sober living... Um, we shot dope. This guy fell out and was like, smack him in the face, not responding. And our solution was to shoot him up with coke. I just listened to that. Like, Your doctors. Yeah, well, like, wait, come on. <laughs> but this is, the most, this is the most fucked up part. We're drawing up the shot and we're taking our coke and putting it in there to potentially save his life in our minds. Yeah. And we're like, well, don't give him too much. Save it, bro. Did you run with the high-powered, rich, party Hollywood types? No. That was never your thing. No, because they didn't get they didn't want to get down like that, you know. They they drink and club they, and they bottles. drank, you know, sip some coke and, and stuff like that. But there's no huge parties. The people that are doing the kind of stuff I was doing, it's you know there were you know, I'm not gonna say who they were, but there were kids that I grew up in the same sort of situation that would meet this certain you know, the were same Were you in Southern California? Is that where you grew mm-hmm. up? In LA or something? In Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Yeah. Well, that's how you ended up at Promises. But Promises Malibu? Yeah, like... The, Don't I mean, they promise to get you off of drugs? No, that's Passages. That's Passages. Yeah. With the, with the, it was funny because, like, the more and more I went to rehab, the shittier they got, the more yeah. hardcore they got. So, like, at first it was the fluffy Malibu ones, yeah. and then it turns into, like, you know... Alina Lodge. Alina that's Lodge, what, so Burning the, Tree. The first fancy one I went to was Sierra Tucson, and then after that I, like, insisted to go to Newport Beach, and I went to this place, Ocean's Recovery. You insisted. Yeah, I I, well, they wanted to send me this place called <laughs> Grey Wolf in Washington, and which is probably a much better place, but I was like, everybody's going to Newport. Like, I want to go to Newport. You're such, such a piece of, of yeah. shit. I actually oh was God. such a little... Fuck. I would have done that yeah (laughs) when you're high on shit you say so much and then then when you're like off of it all you're like oh why did I agree to do it I wasn't even high I was in I was in my primary treatment and and they were like everybody was going to aftercare in Southern California and they were trying to send me to the state of Washington and I threw a little hissy fit like a spoiled brat (laughs) my parents like I want to go to the beach and they fucking sent me to the beach. And did you get sober after that? No, I robbed a veterinarian <laughs> drugs and then went to jail. And then I started the real intent. Then it was Impact and Alina Lodge. So the beach doesn't get you sober. The beach didn't work for me. The beach for this didn't person. Get this addict. <laughs> for this, this, this addict over here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, what was I thinking? You know, all dopey stories aside. Like as always, I, I feel pangs of guilt, and like um, this is the dopey one though. This is part two dopey one. Are you gonna get all serious on us right don't now? Don't get serious yeah, on us because serious. you know here's the real thing. When you have a conversation, what are the conversations behind closed doors in rehab when you're waiting for the staff to leave? They're, it's this. Stuff. That's what this. It, is. That's what the show. Is. This is the meeting after the meeting. Like yeah. we like to say. That's yeah. not what they say at the meeting after my meeting. <laughs> <laughs> they say it during the meeting. You know what they say at the meeting after my meeting? Oh, are you going to work now? Yeah, I'm going oh, to yeah. work. Well, you yeah. go at 7 a.m. Um, yeah, there's very few stories at the meeting after my meeting. What was the first dope, first time you shot dope? Yeah, what was the first time you shot dope? Interesting. First, uh, 
first roommate I ever had in a rehab. I first time I went to rehab, I never. What'd you go to rehab for? It it was sort of one of those bad, wrong places, wrong time. Like I was at this kid's house, and to make a long story short, we all took a lot of pills, some Percocet, Xanax, kind of stuff. He, it was all party there, and one thing I took was some pills, obviously, and one thing led to another, and it's me, this other dude, his sister. And we went up to his room and he's like lying face down on his bed and like not like passed out fucked up like like not responsive fucked up Yeah, and like we're kids. I'm yeah. 14 15. I don't know what the hell to do yeah. And like that whole classic thing if I call the cops I get in trouble. Yeah, you know and so I Luckily his parents came home within like, you know a minute of that happening. They t- rushed him to the hospital Yeah, they you know, they they yeah, I think they pumped us. I'm not sure what happened, yeah. but I'm standing outside, and this woman who says she's an AA, she's been sober for a while, and she starts, you know, telling me her story, and I feel comfortable, and so yeah. I, out of guilt, seeing this guy be taken to the hospital, I say, uh, you know, I also took some stuff, and what an earnest just kid like, you are, just like the guy at the she, I'm calling your mom right now. So she goes, she goes inside, she calls my mom. I said, "You're not doing this. Like you don't understand. Like if you tell my, I'm in, I'm gonna be in so much trouble. And yeah. like you don't have the authority." She's like, "I'm doing it." Yeah. So my mom arrives, and as my mom's getting there, I'm like, "Okay, mom, let's, let's try to get out of here. Let's go." Yeah. And, and she's like, "Don't you have something to tell your mother?" I was <laughs> seconds away from not being yeah. a tragedy, <laughs> and this stringy-haired bitch, yeah. she just says to me, "Can you, can you please uh, come back here?" And so I have to explain to my mom that you know what had happened, and my mom being a hysterical. So you were taking pills, and your Jewish, friend fell out. Yeah, and that I had taken them too. And my mom being a hysterical Jewish mother, she you know rushed me to the hospital. Blah, blah, blah. It turns out that this kid was already in an outpatient rehab and should have been staying sober. And I, you know I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And he got sent to this place called Visions. Yeah. And to make a long story short. They sent you there. I got tricked into getting sent there. Was he there when you went there? There was two different facilities. Uh, We both got sent there. And my roommate was a heroin addict. So before I even... Before before I even went to rehab, before I even went to rehab, I'd never sniffed coke. I'd only smoked pot. I'd taken XE. I dropped acid. But when I hear for 126 days how good shooting up heroin is... That's what's going to happen. Every single night, you're going to tell me I'm not going to go out... And try fucking heroin. And this is the origin of why you hate the re- the recovery scene. Dude, but that the is rehab a, that is such a it fucking that's such, did a you com- dirty. that's such a common story though. People go to rehab, and what do you learn? How to get more fucked up? Yeah. And 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 and, and, and I lasted what seven, you're missing seven weeks in the outpatient, and and I and I'm not and I'm not gonna blow it for a joint. I'm not gonna go back into the inpatient for yeah. a joint. Yeah. I'm doing something I haven't even done before because this is my only opportunity. And then that's how I try. And so I didn't try heroin until three or four years later, and yeah. this is also but it was funny. A seed was planted. Seed was visions. seed was yeah. was planted. not because of visions, but just because of visions gave you visions. Yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> the circumcision vision for you. One thing led to another, and that and I went to a wilderness program in Utah. Aspen. Uh, it was in U- it was Edward Edward it was called Second Cir- Nature. Second Nature. I know that they're marketing. And I met a kid there from L.A. And at the time, he, he was kind of like a hardcore, like, Venice kid. And he 
I met her like that was when I was 16 and then when I was 18 I was in a sober living and uh, I call him up because I knew he was really into heroin at the time and I was and he comes and he picks me up and I've never even smoked heroin sniffed heroin nothing yeah he takes me to downtown LA we go to Skid Row he gets I, I mean I'm like what dude, kind of position am I in Skid Row is the worst oh, no, I've yeah. been him all I've been, dude he's from Southern California I'm sure he lived so, on Skid Row I'm just saying we should it, talk about it's, that it's the most hardcore of them all I Fifth think. and Broad Seventh yeah, San Julian it's, it's down insane there. and so but this time I had no idea what was up so I just stayed in the car yeah. and he went but out he staying in the car oh, <laughs> no there, he was like just look down just look down <laughs> and people were like tapping on the window I was like what the is going on Dude, right my now. ex used to take me down. She drove a Porsche, and I'd keep her in the car, and I'd have her put her seat back, and I'd come back, and there'd be people surrounding her car, and I'd have to shoo them off. Dude, every day for six years, I would drive to downtown Los Angeles. To Skid Row? To Skid Row. To Fifth and Broadway. Oh, yeah. Every said that spit day. I, I, they would be spitting fucking paquetes out of their <laughs> mouths, yeah. and I'd put them into my mouth yeah. and drive home. And I, I remember one time, I fucking, uh, my friend was an actor. And he had uh, fake money, like fake 50s from a movie or yeah. a play he was in. And I was like, this is going to work. And, my, and I was with Todd. Work? And, and he, Todd was like, don't do it. We're going to get killed. I was was like, it like Monopoly money? No, it was like fucking movie money. It was pretty oh, close. Wow. It looked good yeah. to me. It didn't feel right. Yeah. I crumple it up. I like pour water on <laughs> it. Did you have like that. regular bills too? Or do you just straight fake? I go down there. I said, and they were, they were selling them cheap to me. I knew one guy. Yeah. And like, I was like. Give me four paquetes, and I give him a hundred bucks, and he's like, he calls, yeah. he's like Julio, yeah. he spits him out, <laughs> gives him to me, and we peel out of there. And the next day, I come back again, and he sold me more with real money. Like it's so much <laughs> volume, he had no fucking idea where he right, got right, the right. fake money. So back, wait, so back to your story. Yeah, well, yeah. J- that's basically the end of it. I yeah. went and I sh- shot up heroin with this guy. So and where did you do it? Do you copped in Skid Row and then did it? Where? Um, we copped in Skid Row. We drove to an undisclosed location. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where it was. Yeah. We His shot, house? Yeah. He, the guy, you know, I, I'm honestly like, at this point, it's taken so long to get the heroin, and I'm so sober that I'm like, I don't even want to do this at this point, but I'm in so much trouble for leaving the place, for like, dude, like, I got to kind of already do this. And I, this was one of the close, he just shoots me up with a full thing of, and I mean, it was it, it was incredible. But the point of the story is is that the seed of heroin got planted by the first time I was ever in rehab, yeah. and the person I got it from was a guy that I met in rehab like three years down the line. I mean, how, I mean, how horrible that is, though, for parents. They send their you know beloved child off to rehab. Does you, did your mother blame herself? Yeah, you know, we always talk about that. Like, you know, I don't because I don't think that they sh- should. I really don't no. think that they should feel that way at all. Like. And it's not, it's always a person's choice to do something, I think. It's always, but that's the drawback of sending someone to treatment. Especially when, somebody very young. When they're very young, when the uh, addiction hasn't progressed to a certain point, or if they're not ready. You know what I mean? If they have no inclination of, like, getting cause, up. Because there's always an element in every treatment center, no matter how much they are about keeping the community, you know what I mean, like, pure. There's always an element of people working against the system. And those were the people I gravitated to for years. Or I was the person having people gravitate towards me who were, like, just actively planning their next relapse, you know? Yeah. The first time But I- that's a really good point you brought up because, like, you know, we've never talked about that on the show is that, like, going to a treatment center could be, like, deleterious to your health. 
You well, know, and you should go when you actually want to stop using and you and you have a plan. But, but lots of kids don't have a choice. In my case, it was sort of like, yeah, I had done drugs. I had gotten involved in those bit and that sort of stuff. But like everyone knows that's ever felt anything like drug addiction. They know you can't be forced into a thing like that. Like, and I think that makes the problem worse, honestly. And like, yeah, it's not going to say don't, you know. But maybe it's, you know, parents, they get scared, so they don't want to, you know, they don't want to see their children die, so they well, jump the gun. There's no easy answer, you know what I mean? No, I, mean I don't think be, we know It's anything. easy to say the problem, yeah. you know what I mean? But yeah. what's the... The other day I was, uh, I was watching, do you ever see the movie uh, Permanent Midnight? No. It's a movie about this guy, uh, Jerry Stahl. He was a, a writer, and he wound, he was a junkie, horrible junkie, and he wound up uh, getting hired to write Alf. The sitcom about the alien. You know that sitcom. Did Alf just die or something? Or Jerry Stahl? No, the voice of Alf died. Jerry Stahl actually produces Mark Maron's show and directs episodes of Mark Maron's show. But so the so the movie is about his, you know, incredibly dark journey through Hollywood, writing the sitcom, shooting dope, and and like one of the things about it that caught my attention was like he would he would go to fucking. Burbank or wherever he was working and he'd be writing episodes of Alf and then he, and he's all strung out and crazy and then he would go downtown to like some Mexican woman's apartment where he would like shoot dope with her and hang out with her and her kids and me and Chris were talking on the walk here from work how many relationships we've had not like sexual relationship just like friendship with a dealer where you get so close with some fucking totally down and out dealer, yeah. you see them every day, and what a what a manufactured relationship, and all of a sudden you're like friends, like yeah, I, I have, like, and you go to rehab, and you're like, I'm never gonna see Papito again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you have those kinds of relationships with people that you knew that you'd never see again, and but you saw every day? I, I had relationships where they'd say, Oh, those are not real relationships because they're based on drugs. Yeah. I don't. I, I believe that. You can really, like, I befriended some people that I never think I'd ever have a conversation with in rehab. And I think that for all the negative that I think it did to me, it also exposed me to a larger demographic of people. Of course. Of course. I I feel like the reason I got into heroin more than anything and drugs was to burn off my privilege. Like, to burn it away so that I would be not privileged It's so safe. interesting you brought that up because that's what was my... I, I never wanted to identify with my father... With money. Or the money or being judged on any of that stuff because I, I don't... Like, I don't care about... Like, like yeah, I gotta be careful here. But, uh, like, I just... That... It's never done it for me to brag about that kind of stuff. That's it always, made you uncomfortable. It makes me like uncomfortable. To tell you the truth, actually, so I didn't. I'm in, like we said in the last episode. I'm an idiot. I didn't know who your dad was until Dave told me like the movies. You know what I mean? But like all I knew was like this is like a, a basically famous guy's kid who, who's an actor and a director. Whatever your dad is, you know. Um, and I was like. I had a totally different expectation for think? what you were going to be like. I just thought you'd be like a spoiled movie star kid, which is not what you not are. Not to all. mention, though, you know, I would just love to. I, I want to <laughs> just back up for a second. Well, you know what I mean. That's my. I, you know, you judge a. I'm not, glad even I judge just, a not even judge a book by a cover, but you just get no, these notions Nick, in your head of what Nick, you think someone's going to be like because he, of. He's very you're a sensitive, no, I, smart, sweet kid. I mean that as a compliment. young man. I'm, I'm yeah. taking it as yeah, one that okay. I've changed your perspective. Yeah. But dude, I want to say something that we didn't say in the last episode, and I and I want to say it before you're gone. 
Nick comes from a line of fucking geniuses. Like, his grandfather is Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner wrote with Mel Brooks. You probably know Mel Brooks. Yeah. I saw him the other night. He's over at my grandfather's for dinner. This is like... Like, I'm not like like this. Like, I'm not like a fucking up-your-ass kind of person. But these people, for me, mm-hmm. like, just... They made my life so much better. Your yeah. dad and your grandfather and your Uncle Mel. These people... Your Uncle Mel. They made my life... It's just... Like so, I'm a little awestruck. Like I like we've been chilling and kicking it, and I'm not thinking about that shit. But I just want the dopey nation to know that like this is a real thing. Like what a fucking amazing thing that you come from. Yeah. Like it's yeah. really it's cool. It's a paradox. It's like a. It fucked you up, but it gave us a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're seeing how they made everyone. I'm the one that makes everyone unhappy because I. I get that, okay? Because I'm from the family where it's like. Everybody was like going to Ivy League schools, and you know what I mean. And then I was the one. My dad came to visit me in jail behind glass, and he has a really good sense of humor. Amazing, great guy. We have a good, very good relationship. Same with my mother. And he was at my sister's graduation from Harvard Business School, and then he got on a plane to fly to Orange County Jail and visit me behind glass. Wow. And he came in, and the first thing he said, he's like, "I'm a little confused." He's like. I was at Harvard yesterday at your sister's graduation. He's like, now I'm hanging out in line with gangsters waiting to see my other son, my other child. <laughs> yeah, so I get that, though. But like, and, like, and my parents were both uh, teachers in Manhattan, you know, super middle-class Jewish fucking world. Like, probably, you know, my parents were not as cool as your dad, and I'm sure your mom was a lot like my mom, just a hysterical Jewish mother. Yeah. Like, my mom was into her looks and being glamorous, and but, but a great mother, you know, and, like, great person. But I remember when I... The first time I checked into detox, okay, I, I was, you know, I was on heroin for probably a year, and I was producing a TV show, and I was making good money, and I had the choice to tell my company that I had that I was a heroin addict and I had to go away or to tell my parents and I didn't realize I should tell the company I told my parents and I went to detox at um, Beth Israel public detox in New York and it was fucked up and they came to visit me I called them and they were at the theater and they were all dressed and my mother's wearing one of these silk scarves with the patterns on it and they come to the rehab at Beth Israel and I stink of Marlboros and I'm wearing the hospital shit and my mother's perfume was so strong like and she's in this fucking cracked damn <laughs> fucking place what is this yeah. <laughs> but it, it's fucking hard yeah. for, it was hard to see it it's, my mother's dead now god bless her um it's just so hard to put your family in that spot and to be someplace uh, that they would never go to. Do, yeah, you do know you, it is hard. Do you have siblings? I do. I've what? got a, I have issues? a spit polished older brother who yeah. looks like me but just does everything right. Yeah. And I have a sister who just went off to college. Oh, okay. And uh, I never went to high school, never went to college, never did any of that stuff. And I, I was the question I love to hear is, I mean, you come from a a background like this how could you ever get into drugs it's like well gee I mean I don't even know where to start with that you just told us you know it's like how could you have not you know what I'm saying you know but like how old are you I'm uh, almost 23 you could fucking you could go to college and be go take a writing fucking thing you could do that it'd be fun I know but look at James Franco 
Yeah, look at James Franco. James, but, he, I don't know. Just I don't, look, at him. look at him. Exactly, <laughs> he's a beautiful man. No, but just I don't know. I'm just saying, like you get into. I just think it could do you some good. Fucking get back into the normal population of things. Yeah. Be a young man in school. What the fuck? What's wrong with that? I don't Am know. Am I being too preachy? No, you're you're being fatherly in a good way. Is he being camp counselorly? I haven't gotten the camp counselor. <laughs> Dopey Nation, I think that it is not an accurate assessment because... Modi's just an asshole. I should have kicked <laughs> Modi out of the house. Moody. Modi <laughs> was the comedian on the fucking show that called me a camp counselor, uh-huh. which scarred me. And now we're going to get emails that I'm a camp counselor because the Dopey That's Nation loves to yeah. fuck with me. They just do. He catches a lot of flack and I get very little. Except for one person really <laughs> doesn't like me. And we really apologize to her. Yeah, we lost one member of the Dopey Nation. Oh, we and she we wrote did. us a horrible review on iTunes. She gave us two, but she gave us two stars. She could have given us zero. I saw those five stars in the iTunes. Did thing. you see I, the reviews? That's a good looking uh, presentation. It's right all right, yeah, but right? about uh, about we know who about half of them are. There's like sixty reviews. I'd say we know about half of the people. I want to <laughs> say something else. Five stars. <laughs> Shush. Five stars. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> tell them that. I want to say this. You know, Nick. Like, number one, I, res- I respect every- everything that you're doing and everything that you've done. Uh, I only wish you good things. And-, and part of me wishes, you know, like, that you could see the, the beauty and joy in-, in recovery because it's freedom. You-, you don't need anything. You know what I'm saying? And, I-, and I-, I don't wish it for you in a preachy way or in a bad way. I just, it's- there's a freedom to Well, it. do you have freedom and joy now? I feel like I do. Yeah, I think that's his point. Listen, f- Chris <laughs> is the fucking biggest people pleaser in the history of people pleasers. I feel like you get a fucking Nazi in here. Chris is like, well, I hear what you're saying. I <laughs> no, mean, all your saying, stock is better than theirs. <laughs> all he's saying is that for me, which we were talking about earlier, it it, it works, and maybe I'll, I'm disillusioned. Or I don't know. Or maybe maybe you're not dis. Maybe it won't work at some point, but it's working now. And no, it doesn't matter. I, I fuck fuck what I just said. I, I I only wish you positive things, and um, I think that you can do uh, anything you want to do, and you can. I mean, it's just so you you have the world by the by your fingertips, and you, and you shouldn't fucking. Just, How come you never say stuff like this to me? I don't feel the same way. Yeah, about I don't you. get this ever. <laughs> what, what, what are we getting here that we don't normally get? He's being, he just puts me down. <laughs> when do I put you down? I don't, I say I'm so happy that he's my partner. So, you're, ha- so you're mad at him for being kind to you? No, I'm not mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just think like it's. Uh, first of all, I'm super uh, grateful that you that like this caught your interest. Definitely caught my interest. And you wanted to come and be a part of it. I think that's fucking. Yeah, awesome. for the Dopey Nation, we thought Nick was in L.A. I was like, oh, I'd call in and you can talk for 10 And he was like, minutes. I want to come. And, and let me tell you a well, funny I, story. We learned he was in New York. I was like, oh, shit. This, I think, is really funny. I, I'm working today, and like, and I'm telling people at work uh, that you're going to come on the show. Where will work? Where I work. We got to bleep that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Can't, yeah. can't tell we don't reveal. Yeah. We don't reveal yeah. where he works. It's okay. Yeah. He can bleep it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and, and then it hits me. Nick Reiner's probably not coming on Dopey, and Chris is probably fucking with me. And then I'm like, wow. I fuck with him a lot. And so, so and like, that's he, incredible. he does dumb shit with me. <laughs> anyway, so Chris shows up at, at my work, and I'm like, I'm like, he made me show him the text messages. I said, wow. give me, I said, give Are me the phone. Coke? <laughs> no, no, I just thought he wa- like we're gonna get all ready, and then one of his friends is gonna come here or something, or just some dumb fucking move. 
Because I, I was so certain that it was going to be a huge bamboozle, but it wasn't. So we're I came solo and uh, as humble as possible. Incredibly humble. Can we do something? Can can we? Um, I think we should read an email. We'll read an email and then wrap it up because yeah. she's got to meet a friend. Yeah. Well, where are we at? Thirty-one minutes. Well, we're, we're going to release two in a week, so I don't think we have to do the full hour. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm going to read an email. Solid thirty, right? It's solid thirty, right? Yeah. It's totally solid. All right, all right, all right. I got something funny for you to read after we, me and my friend, um, had an article published in Gawker where we would just get Malibu rehabs, like, um, we got Cliffside, a bunch of different places, to agree to ridiculous requests, where I'd email them and I'd apply, I was an assistant for, like, a movie star or a high net worth individual. That's incredible. Yeah, and I said that, like, you know, my client is a nudist and she can only do therapy (laughs) in the nude, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, like, we, like, consulted with the treatment team and that's fine. Or one, I said they're... Do you have those live calls? I don't have no. I didn't do it. I did it all through email, and I had to prove and send. Actually, it was supposed to go on Vanity Fair, yeah. uh, and Vanity Fair actually paid me for the piece. And then their legal team, the day before it was supposed to be run, squashed it. They're like, "We're going to get in so much trouble." But then I sent it to Gawker, and Gawker's like, "Sure, like this, we'll run it." Wow. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll text it to you. Whatever you okay, should read it, you'll sure. laugh, dude. From one of them, we did like our. Um, I said that you know my uh, the person I worked for was a movie star. And that she was selectively mute and would only speak in front of cameras. And could she do nonverbal treatment? And they were like, sure. Like, wow. that's <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just about the money for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Keep talking. Keep talking? I've, I've ran out of brain power here. I, I go... The sugar-free Red Bull's not doing it? No, I needed sugar. <laughs> you needed sugar... <laughs> Oh my god, dude. Okay, okay. So are you going to stay in New York for a bit? I'm staying in New York. All right? I'd love to be back on the show if you guys would have me. Of course, Of man. course. Should we course. should we write should we write should I read um crazy crazy otters? No, email? I want to do Scots, dude. I really want to do Scots. Okay. Can I read it? I'll read Scots. Um, his first one or his second his one? Second, I'm going to read the therapist one. Um okay, which is very heartfelt and um you're going to like this, Nick. So this is a guy who's been emailing back and forth with us, true member of the Dopey Nation. He sent us a couple stories. The first one was great. I'm just going to rehash it real quickly. He um, got out of rehab, told his parents that he was going to go to an AA conference with his buddies. No, no, no. Let me read the first one because the first one is... Oh, I smoked crack for the first time at an AA conference in Atlanta. <laughs> Tell us that story. Really that was pretty recent. That was a couple... Oh, no. That, the, the, the World Conference was... I was like 16. Ago. Oh, no. So this is a long time Tell ago. us the story. I smoke crack in Atlanta. <laughs> That's the story. <laughs> I, I couldn't find any more cocaine, so. Okay, first first email from Scott. Wait, but they're really long. Do you but this one, this one is just an introductory to who he is. Oh, okay, it's not the fish story? It's just this. All right, read that. Hey, Scott, or, hey, guys, I'm four years clean and have Crohn's disease. As a result of the Crohn's, I went through my first major surgery Friday while clean. I am open and honest about being a recovering heroin addict with my doctor, but there was no way around not taking opioids post-op. My sponsor is dealing out my meds, and I am doubling down on meetings. On meetings, you see? I and, heard that. Um, regardless, the oxy's still making me feel awesome. I, <laughs> I said, That's a red flag. I said all that to say I stumbled across your podcast and have fallen in love with it. You are both fucking hilarious and super entertaining. Keep up the good work and let me know your thoughts on taking medication after surgery while in recovery. Scott. 
sounds like he's doing it responsibly. Totally. Great. Totally. His story, though, the story that Chris is going to read is so good and crazy. He's really funny. So I've been emailing back and forth with him, and he, he has a good sense of humor. And this is one, one line from a different email. He writes, How come Dave never writes me back? Is he too busy with his job at Olive Garden insulting autistic kids? He's funny. Wow. Because I told a story where I, I insulted an autistic kid, and I think, I think I wound up saying, What are you, autistic? And they're like, yeah, he's about this. Oh, Here it is. Shit, that worst case scenario. Okay, so the one story I said that he got out of rehab and he convinced his parents to like let him and his friends go to the AA conference somewhere, you know? And they had bought him like a new car. It was like a Suburban or something. Mm-hmm. And he was like getting high, like pretending like he wasn't, you know? They were doing something wholesome and good. And instead they went to a fish show. It was Coventry. And they were driving up there and they had a bunch of kerosene in the car for cooking hamburgers. And he had a butane torch. Oh, yeah. And the butane torch button got depressed, and it lit the kerosene on fire. And they had pulled the car out and jump out. The entire car went up into flames, exploded, and got burnt down to nothing. Oh, and he said it was literally so bad that it was like he couldn't eat. Like, he had to call his mom. And they were in fucking Maine, and he was supposed to be in, like, I don't know, like Atlanta or some I shit. I thought this was a crack smoking story because of the blowtorch. No, because, yeah, because I don't know what the torch was. I guess it was for weed or something, but... Um, that was the first story he sent. I'm not going to read that one right now. I'm going to read this other one, which is pretty crazy, dude. It's a good, uh, it's a good story. It's a really um, interesting story. So, uh, okay, so I'm just going to skim through the beginnings. The counselor's story is super long and super, super fucked up. So much of my addiction came from monstrous feelings of sexual inadequacies, body hatred, and overall feelings of not feeling good enough to have a relationship with the opposite sex. I am in the middle of three brothers who are all blonde hair, blue-eyed quarterback dudes. Good-looking, not afflicted, and had no problems getting the ladies. I was not very good at sports and liked to lock myself in my room and listen to Elliot Smith while they were out playing ball and working out. This alienated me from them and my father and further sent me into my shell of self-loathing and hatred. Anyway, when high school started, I was fat, had no friends, and was scared to look at a girl unless it was a chick off U-porn. When I found pain, <laughs> when I found pain pills, the feeling of inadequacies melted away. Flash forward several years and I am at this rehab in the Mississippi backwoods called Crossroads. Chris, I think there was some confusion as I look back on our previous emails as you got it confused with Clapton's place in Antigua with the same name. Clapton was at my Hazleton graduation. I digress. So I make it through the first 30 days of a 90-day stay at this super shitty place, and the whole time I am being extremely flirty with my case manager and basically focusing on her completely borderline obsession. I had shared all my feelings of sexual inadequacy with her, and all that bullshit was completely open with her, etc. Anyway... One day, I'm literally crying in her office during a session about my ex and how I stole her credit card and charged a $3,000 engagement ring on it when she found it had the gall to dump me the fucking bitch. (laughs) Anyway, I was like, in my fucked up mind, if I could only get a chick who liked me for me and did not care about how small my dick was or that I sucked at sex and was fat, (laughs) I would not have to use heroin and oxy. So... In this bitch's fucked up mind, she decided to help me with this. She said, what if I helped you with that? At first, I did not pick up on what she was talking about because while I was obsessed, I never thought a relationship would turn physical. It sucks just for counting this. 
Anyway, she pulls this bottle of lotion out of her desk drawer and proceeds to give me the best hand job since Katie Bowman in eighth grade. Gotta believe about Bowman. Bowman, yeah. (laughs) It kind of progressed from there. Obviously, in my fragile mental state, this lady was no less than a sexual predator. I guess in her fucked up mind, she was helping me with what she considered to be the one thing holding me back in recovery. So we progressed her filming me fucking her on her laptop and doing some crazy shit. Holy shit. It was not long before she was bringing me Suboxone and needles, so I did not nut in two seconds, further ramming into my brain the fact that you suck at sex without drugs. The whole thing went down... The whole whole thing went down was crazy, though. I knew she was filming it, but did not really care. So they call me into the office one day and the head dude is there and a couple of the treatment team and they're like, Scott, we need to talk to you about Allison and your relationship. I was like, Allison's awesome. She's really helping me. They then flipped the computer screen around and showed a still shot of Allison with her head buried in my lap. Turns out the retard... She was blowing them. Yeah. Turns out the retard predator bitch had accidentally been saving the video files to the company network and had been using a massive amount of storage. The IT guy goes poking around the network, sees the videos, and blows the whistle. So this sends me into a crazy fucking tailspin. I leave treatment and commit some sweet insurance fraud, buy 2,000 K8 oxymorphone, 500 pack of rigs, and go to town. It took me years of talk therapy to get over that shit, and while I can look back and laugh now, it was not funny at the time. I do remember the head dude asking, Scott, who does this look like in this picture? I thought going all shaggy and saying it wasn't me, but when you're the only overweight ginger with long hair and you're staring at a picture of a chick blowing you, what are you going to (laughs) do? I think so many addicts and dudes in general struggle with body shame and sexual inadequacies, which is why I share this story with people. I now know it does not matter how small my dick is, if I suck at sex, or if my girlfriend is a 10 or a 5. What matters is that I am honest in my relationships, connected to God, don't slam drugs in my arm. We are only as sick as our secrets, you know. So many people use, I think, because they think it makes them last longer in bed or that they lose their inhibitions. This is a side of using in recovery that is at times not talked about because it's uncomfortable or in people's underlying psyche. I now am able to have a healthy relationship with females, and while I am single now, I have had fulfilling relationships since putting the work in on myself. So, sorry for the long soul-spilling email, but it helped me to write it, and maybe it will help you. Let me know before you read this one on the show if you choose to. While many of the things that I did or happened to me are hilarious, the surface, this story is funny, there are some serious undertones. On the surface, the story is funny, but there are some serious undertones. So let me know what you think or if you read this long, shitty, strung-together email. Anyways, would love to be on the Fishy Show if you guys want. Just let me know. Dave, I hope all your tips at Olive Garden are at least 10%. <laughs> Eat a tour of Italy for me. Chris, do you still go to fish shows? What kind of work do you do in the treatment land? Don't use, Scott. That's wow. amazing. Yeah, amazing. what a take. I know, isn't that a wild story? I, I, a lot I to unpack there. I was really the It's a crazy way. story, but it was also just a good perspective. Yeah, it was a good very, I've never heard a thing like that before. You know what I mean? Just putting it all out there and stuff, like so much respect. I think it was all going good until they started doing Suboxone. I think filming shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I, I, said, it was serious, but no, no, no. I, I, yeah, that's how he definitely got got caught up. But, uh, but I, I can relate like to uh, using using opiates to keep me from coming. Like I had that. Yeah, but then sometimes it just you never do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then it gets annoying. Like, God damn. Yeah. Right. But at, but it, have, you ever, have you ever pretended? 
No. Have you no. ever faked it? I've faked it. No, but I've been so frustrated with myself <laughs> yeah. for not being able to. Yeah. That was Todd's thing. He would fake it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, because I... Uh, I don't even want to say. Yeah, you can't say no, it. You lost episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that email was incredibly brave. and uh, Very brave. And awesome. And I think that Nick is uh, running out of time. He's out of here. So uh, let's just uh, thank you again. Thanks for having me. It was I awesome. No one sorry Dave got all preachy on you. Sorry you can't about count that. You. Dave is unpredictable. <laughs> no, listen, man. I stand... You really... See... Chris is just a fucking co-signer. He's just like, like me, and I'll say everything you do is good. Wow. Except wow. me. You know that? I mean, it goes both ways. Fucking, I can't so get a break. you're saying you're, you're, you're more uh, earnest behind closed doors, but... I kick the truth to the young black youth. Wow. That is what I do. Chris is a fucking people-pleasing... I'm a total people-pleaser, but the thing is that I Gentile. like... I, I like... That's probably my strongest suit, is that I like most people that I meet. And I want the best for him, you know? And that kind of is tied in with my people pleaser, which I don't think it's a bad thing. I, just, I don't think I he's like a people pleaser. He seems like a wholesome guy. Thank he's you. He's a wholesome people pleaser. He wants everybody oh, wow. to think he's the Won't best. Get off of this. <laughs> he just really is. Now, I, I, you know, Chris, that it is better for those who are afflicted to try to find a path to uh, recovery. To happiness. Yeah, whatever that might look like. Better See, that, what Chris really thinks is that you're going to go through miles of craziness, drugs, and eventually you're going to come No, back. I know he thinks that. And He's I know the Zen no, master. No, 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 I think that's what go. you think. That's what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. That's what he thinks. That's <laughs> only, what, if, no, only if you're I, lucky. I, I would say, no, listen, I would say I always like to boil it down to this. Were I to place a bet on what would oh, happen, God. I, you know what I mean? Like, what would I do with my money? What would you do? I probably would bet with Dave's line of thinking. Thank okay. God. I, but I love it because but, but I love being betted against. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Spite will motivate you. Yeah. <laughs> to be able to use but successfully. Point, but my point is that that bet isn't a sure thing. And I know that because I've seen it with people like Dave Mar- Dave with the CrossFit gym who drinks in successfully and was an IV heroin addict. You Until I mean? the day my he bet was against to dope. And I, I don't think he's going to, because I thought he was, and it's been a long time. But maybe he will. You keep telling know. me I'm going to return to dope, I'll just take your word for it Listen, and go and do it. I'm not saying <laughs> I was talking about Dave. I wasn't yeah. talking right. about you. And I don't, I don't think anybody has to do anything. I'm just saying, like, for me, this path has been, like, great. Like, and, and thing, I've just had a, my life right now is, like, good mm. and, and, and almost easy. Like, life is never easy, but what... Like not worrying about the stuff shit. you freak out about is stupid in the, in the long run. But I don't yeah. freak out even in the same sort of clip that I used to freak out. Yeah, it's less of a freak out, and that's fucking beautiful. My freakouts now are like, I have a bunch of reading for school I haven't done. Like, who fucking cares? It's no big deal. Anyway, Dopey Nation, stay strong. Write a review. Uh, tell us what you think. Uh, Email us at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us. Let us know if you want Nick back on the show. Follow us on Instagram. Tina's not going to want you back on the show. Why? Oh, because Tina's Tina's hardcore. Actually, yeah, Tina. Okay. No, no, no. no. We'll specifically ask Tina, will you please chime in? Tina's with me. She says. All right. I want Nick back on the show because I like him and he's he's a smart kid. As long, young man, whatever, man, as long as you're fucking honest 
super honest here. I want that's you what on the I've show. been. I said if I'm going to come on here and, and give my side, I'm going to say it, the whole truth. So the whole truth is occasional weed smoking and drinking. Yes. No coke in the eyes. No. Nothing. No coke in the eyes. What is coke in the eyes? I mean, like, that's my mix of shooting coke and acid in the eyes. Have you ever uh, put acid in your eyes? Have you? I've never wanted to. No, liquid LSD. No, I know. No, I never did. I never had liquid LSD. See, that's the only in all of the I did drugs. pay a guy to put sweet drops in my mouth, which he told me was liquid LSD, but it was just sweet drops and he was taking my money. <laughs> I'll tell you, the only drug that I wish I had gotten my hands on in my life would have been liquid LSD in a vial. Just because I would have felt like a real hippie. Like, I just... That's the one. A vial of liquid LSD. That's it. That's the only one. Personally. And I want it in my eyes. What if there's a vial of liquid LSD right now? No, I don't think so. It doesn't hurt your eyes. That's what they do. Didn't... I heard Jimi Hendrix used to coat his bandana in LSD. And then he'd wear it. And it'd just sweat. Honestly, playing for a sober person to trip is like a real... Because imagine being in AA or like sitting in a meeting for 30 days and just listening to everything that you hear in there. And then dropping a dab of acid and going, I'm an addict. I'm a whole thing that turns into a whole... We could do a whole episode about that. I've done that so many times. I have self... Just introspective nightmares about how drugs are going to kill me. Let me ask another question before we stop. Nick, how long, what's the longest you've been clean for? Six months. Just completely clean. Six months. Alright. You know what does that say? do? What does that say to you or do for you? I'll tell you what Chris is thinking. What is he thinking? Just think. Four words. More will be revealed. Uh, more will be revealed? Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that phrase before. Where is that from? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> it was good having you, man. Thanks yeah. for having me. And please come back, and uh, and and uh, we'll leave it at that. Alrighty. Say Do- toodles. Toodles. Dopey Dopey nation. Dopey nation. What's up? <laughs> Stay strong. I hope you like me. All right, toodles, guys. I'm people pleasing. <laughs> I wanna take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good? Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I wanna be good so bad Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had